And so we got a couple more messages left in there. Uh, just kind of kind of go a little more topical. He does, John does repeat himself a little bit over, especially on the topic of love. He, um, he hits that several times. So whenever you do that in communication, what does that mean? You want to get your point across, right? Right? If you keep coming back to it, John is keeping coming back to that idea of love. So, um, so today we're going to talk about loving God. Um, we'll do that today and then... Um, See, next week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, because John talks quite a bit about that in this in First uh, John, but also in his Gospel. He talks, spends three chapters. He has some of the best teaching on the Holy Spirit that we have in the New Testament. Acts talks about the acts of the Holy Spirit, but the Gospel of John really talks about theology of the Holy Spirit. So uh, we got that, and then on the 9th, uh, Pastor Andy's going to be speaking. He's going to talk about perfect love. That is Mother's Day, right? So that's coming up. We always do, um, we get flowers, and uh, the kiddos on Wednesday night will decorate. They kind of transplant them in a bigger cup, and they decorate them so it's a little more personalized for moms. So if you come on Mother's Day, moms, you get a gift. And so if, you, if you're watching online, you have to be here. I'm sorry, but you have to be here to get it. So um, we encourage you to come out. It's good to have Bob Johnson and Jerry back. Let's give them a hand. All right, good to have them back, and uh, they've been pretty faithful watching online, so it's good to have them back here. So, All right, so John writes, um, he's writing this probably in Ephesus to the believers in Ephesus. Uh, he starts out in Jerusalem, but persecution breaks out in Jerusalem. You see that in the book of Acts. He ends up in Ephesus, so that's where he writes. Uh, he's writing this th- today. Um, um, Ephesus is ruins, okay, but it's in modern-day Turkey. So if you were to go and see many of the churches that Paul started, um, they are in what is modern-day Turkey. So if you know history, right, the, the Islamics came up, right, and they took siege, and then you had the Crusades that took place where they tried to retake Jerusalem, and all those things happened, right? So it's in that process that some of those cities were laid waste and devastated some have been rebuilt, some haven't been. So, um, all right. Praise God. Well, we're going to jump into this. Before we do, let's just have bow our heads in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is your living word that speaks to us today, Lord God. And we pray that um, you have a word for us today, just for us personally, Lord. Um, that it is more than just words on a page, but God, that you speak directly to us, Lord, of, uh, to help us guide us, direct us, encourage us, help us to walk in a better relationship with you, to know you better. Uh, we give you the thanks and the praise. We ask in your name. Everybody said? Amen. We're going to begin in verse 12 through 14. I'm just going to hit this real quickly, but it kind of gives you an idea of who John is writing to. So he says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So he calls them dear children. So these are people just starting out in the faith, Okay. And their sins have been forgiven. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. So they've walked with God a long time. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. They're in the prime, right? They're the workers. Verse 14, I write to you, dear children. So now he goes back to the children, because you know the fathers. There's that relationship. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who was from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong in the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome 
um, the living, um, the evil one. And so you see the three. You got those starting out in the faith. You have those that are the workers, the doers. And then you have those that are maybe, um, they've, they've put in their time. They've laid the foundation, but now they have the wisdom, right? And every church should have all three of those categories. You should have the people that have walked with God a long time. You should have the people that are out there. They got the energy and the life to do that, right? The stamina to do some of those things. And then you have those that are just coming to know Christ. You should have all those different categories within a church. I think that is a good picture of a, of a, of a healthy church. All right? And then now John is going to go into, he's going to, probably in your Bible, it's called Not Loving the World. Okay? How many have that? Not 15 through 17. And so, so far in this series, we've talked about John's desire that we all know God, that we have fellowship with him. And I'm, when I think of fellowship, I think of Adam and Eve. Okay? They are the first two people, right, that God created. All right? And they walk with God. And they have this relationship like nobody else has had with God until we get to heaven. Right? Why? Because he created them. They're in the Garden of Eden, right? There's no sin in the picture. And so in the cool of the evening, what happened? God would come down and he would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and have fellowship with them. Just like you would with your best friend or maybe your spouse. And you'd have fellowship. You would talk. That is what God did with Adam and Eve. That is the relationship they had. Now that relationship was all good and everything until what happened? Oh, yeah, that apple looks pretty good, doesn't it? Sin entered the picture and that, rel- that fellowship was destroyed. And that it is God. God then sent Jesus to the cross to restore that fellowship. So sin had to be dealt with. And um, that's one of the things you get about God. God is holy, but he's also loving and gracious. And because he is holy, it means he had to deal with sin. He couldn't sweep it under the rug. And God was so serious about dealing with sin that he said, I'll even send my own son to take our sin upon himself so that we could have fellowship with him. Isn't that cool? So, fellowship. So let's read these verses together. Verses 15 through 17. John says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, we're going to kind of dissect some of this here, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, does not come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but everyone that does the will of God will live forever. So let's look at this. I have to catch up with my notes here. So John says, do not love the world. Does that get you? John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the John says, do not love the world. What's up with that? Love the world, hate the world. Which one is it? Same Greek word, cosmos. So what's the difference? Well, the context. In John 3.16, God is directly referring to not a planet, not trees, not earth. He's talking about who? People, you and I. He is talking about people. For God so loved you and me that He sent His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish. 
John uses that same word, but he uses it in a different context. Do not love the world or anything in the world. And in that context, it, it's referring to the worldly systems, the desires, the values, the morals, the beliefs that are contrary to God's. All right? So we'll look at this a little bit more. So he's going to break it down into three categories. Did you know sin kind of comes in three categories? Temptation comes into three categories. John kind of gives us three categories. They pretty much all fall into these three categories. And so the first point that I want us to catch, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do that. Um, even if nobody else can read them, it's not for anybody else. It's for you, right? right? I can read my chicken scratching, all right? The first thing you need to know is you need to know Satan's strategy, right? If you're in a battle, you want to know the enemy's strategy, right? Otherwise, if you don't, you're going to get blindsided. You're going to get devastated. You have to know Satan's strategy. So Satan, temptation is going to come in three different ways, three different forms. First of all, the lust of the flesh. Now, often we use that word lust in reference to what? Sexual, right? So um, it means a strong desire or craving, okay? So the lust of the flesh, so flesh is another word we need to kind of, kind of look at. What does flesh mean? Well, this can be flesh, right? Not so much this, but this is flesh, right? Skin, right? Okay? But it's not so much that, but it is part of our human nature is what John really begins, is trying to get at. And often we refer to it as our sinful nature, all right? And what do I mean by sinful nature? Um, is Jackson there? Is he behaving? He's in the nursery, huh? He's in the nursery. Sarah's getting her quiet time. And, and probably because he did sit well for me on Wednesday night, though. Yes, he did well. You weren't there, but he did good. Um, but even a kid, okay, Othelia is not quite old enough yet, but even a kid, they start getting a couple months old, and you tell them no, and they go, hmm, yes, I'm going to do it anyway, right? I'm going to do it anyway, right? That is sinful nature. It, it's kind of bred within us, and, and, and so we fight against that. We sometimes, many times, want to do what is contrary to God. We want to have fellowship with God, but there's also that part of us, part of us that wants to rebel at times, disobey, trespass. The lust of the flesh would include so our sinful desires that come from within us. So selfishness would be a big one. I know none of you are not. None of you are ever would be selfish. None of you. But see, even with kids, you'll see that, I, you know, they, one has a toy and it's kind of like, I want the toy, right? And then they fight, right? Selfishness. It's, it's from a very early age. Nobody even has to teach them that. It's just there. And so if we don't work with that, if we don't learn good disciplines and we have good parenting, we don't know how to navigate that. And that's what Scripture and what God wants to come in and do is deal with our sin problem. So selfishness, greed materialism, power. You know, we, I, I think sometimes, and I'm, I, I don't like to talk about politics because I don't think you win in politics, but often I see politics as who wants the power, right? Instead of solving the issues in our nation, it's about grabbing power. The desire um, to be self-centered, it will ruin your marriage. It'll move, you know, siblings fight. Um, We've, we're putting ourselves first at the expense of others. 
All right, and Scripture will talk about if you get into the minor prophets in the Old Testament, God, the prophets would have to really hit uh, on that issue because even supposedly a godly nation was suppressing the poor, was suppressing the weak, and to love mercy, do justly, and walk humbly before you. God comes out of that context that we have to do what we need to do to look after other people because there is something within us that wants power, that is self-centered, and greedy. That is the lust of the flesh, folks. And it can be sexual, too. It can be all those different things. All right? It will destroy anything of our earthly relationships if we don't keep it in check. Jesus countered this by being a servant and putting himself others first. Okay? Philippians chapter 2 says that he humbled himself. He emptied himself. He became nothing. He took on him humiliation. He became a servant so that he could do what God the Father had called him to do and so that he could go to the cross. So that is what God calls us to do, and it is totally contrary from the way we are sometimes wired as human beings. Amen? That is the lust of the flesh. He also says the lust of the eyes. So these are similar because that's the strong desire or craving for something. But this really keys in on what we see, all right? So, so there's some overlap here. So, but often this is referred to as sexual sin, right? And I would say guys are maybe more, um, the visual thing impacts guys more than it does women, okay? At least that's what my wife tells me, you know. Um, women are more impacted by relationship, okay? So um, internet, I would say, is bad for both men and women, Okay, it's bad for men because if they see something visually there that is not right, porn and stuff like that, that attracts them to it. They don't have to be a bad person. They just have to be a living, breathing male person and it's, it's attractive. It draws them, right? Okay, it's that same desire that attracts us to our spouse, to our wife. Okay, so it's a deviation from what God intended as being healthy and pure. For a woman, it's the relationship part. So they can be online and they start chatting with somebody. And I've seen women that have been just as addicted to a chat online and they meet somebody online, they've been just as addicted to that as to a guy that is addicted to porn. In fact, to the place that they're willing to leave their husband, their kids, to pursue that relationship. Real story. It impacts both. So the lust of the eyes really has to do with the visual. So I'm going to give some illustration. Eve, she saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye. She grabbed it and took a bite, Right? And then Adam followed. She saw first that it was pleasing to the eyes. Achan, if you know the story about Achan, they go into the promised land. The first city that they conquer is Jericho. Yeah, right? The walls come tumbling down. Achan is there. They're, they're, they're told very up front, do not take anything from Jericho. Destroy everything. Everything is to be destroyed because God knew the temptations that awaited them. So Achan sees this Babylonian garment and he sees gold as he goes into this house. So I'm like, wow, he knows what gold is. That's a pretty nice garment. They're not going to miss it. Why destroy something of good value? How many are right? Yeah, right? He tucks it away, hides it, buries it in his tent. Nobody knows the difference, but God does. So they go out to battle and they get destroyed. And it's kind of like, God, jo- Joshua goes, God, what what's going on? God says, hey, don't pout, don't complain. There's sin in the camp. Deal with it. And so God revealed the sin. And Achan and his whole family was killed. 
because of that. Pretty harsh. Pretty harsh. But he saw, right? David. You know, he's known as a man after God's own heart. But he got to that 40-ish area, right? 40 years old. And he no longer went out to battle that year. Went up on his rooftop, enjoying the beautiful, nice morning. And what does he see? He sees Bathsheba, right? Bathing. It's kind of like, so it's kind of like, oh, shouldn't be looking there. He's just kind of like, oh. And that led to, hey, why don't you guys go get Bathsheba? I need to visit her with her. It led to adultery. And then it led to murder, right? And then it led to his family even experiencing dysfunction within his own family. And they lost the child that was part of that union. But David saw and resulted in other things. Um, Jesus calls us to be thankful, right? So the, the, the solution to all that, Jesus calls us to be thankful and to find contentment from him. So whether the, the Ten Commandments talk about do not covet, right? To, to see your, your neighbor's house, wife, donkey. I know a lot of you lust after your neighbor's donkey, right? You do, except for it's a Mustang, right? 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 That was, that was their mode of transportation. But, but we, we, we look at things, right? And it captures us. And, and Paul says, contentment with godliness is great gain. All right, there's one third, pride of life. That's the third area. This deals with our status and our identity. How many want to feel important? We all do. That, that, that's part of, we all want to feel significant and important. And if, and, and if you don't, you're going to seek for it in other ways. Okay? You're going to seek for it in other ways. And sometimes those ways aren't always good ways. That's why people seek fame and success many times is because they think that their job, they think that their status, what others think of them, and all that is going to make them feel worthy, important. God wants to find that, that worth in who? In Him. He wants us to find that in Him. Um, and so people sometimes think, you know what, if I have the nice car, if I, so there's a lot of overlap here, folks. If I have the nice home, if I have the nice clothes, if I have success, then people will want to be with me. That somehow gives me importance. That gives me worth. All right? And, and Scripture is very clear. It wants us to find our worth in Christ. We are His sons and daughters. You know, and I just, I see the parents here. You know, you investing in your children at a young age, from, their, from the get-go when they're, when they're born, just investing in them and telling them how much you love them, embracing them, hanging out with them. Did you know that is one of the best things you can do because you're filling that need that they are important, that they're valuable. It's not dependent upon all the other things of this world. It's because they belong to you. And eventually that is an easy translation okay, into the God, I belong to God and I'm important to Him. When that isn't filled in at an early age, it's, it's hard. You can come to Scripture and you can be in a good church and you can have a good relationship with God. But if you weren't told that at a young age, there's some dysfunction there. It is, God is able to heal that, but it, it takes a lot of work. And it is something you will probably live with for the rest of your life. I'm, I'm just being honest. And you're going to have to hear God over and over again say that you are loved by Him, that he, you're His child. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. 
was a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I, maybe that was for somebody today. Um, we have to know that we're worth more important to him. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, Jesus begins his public ministry, and so he is baptized by John the Baptist, not this John, but John the Baptist. He's baptized in water. And then immediately he does what? He goes into the, the wilderness. Forty days and forty nights he fasts and he prays. And at the end of that time, he is tempted by Satan three times. Okay? The first one is to turn rocks into bread. That's pretty tempting, right? Especially when you haven't eaten for 40 days. That would be the lust of the, of the flesh, right? Yeah, my body's hungry. That's a pretty natural need, right? But it was causing him to trust in his other power instead of trusting God. And Jesus responds, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father, right? And then he takes him to the highest point of the temple. He says, if you're the Son of God, if you're important, you can command his angels to scoop you up. You won't even touch the ground, right? That kind of really built in on the pride of life, right? If you're important, you can just command God's power. You can use your power illegitimately to serve your own purposes, And so Jesus counters it again. He's not supposed to test the Lord your God. And then he takes him to a high point, and he says he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, you know what? If you bow down and worship me, I will give you everything you want. And you don't even have to go through the cross. He's offering him a shortcut, right? And that could fall into the lust of the eyes. He sees all the kingdoms, the pride of life. It could touch upon those. But see, Jesus responds to him again with the Word of God. And he went through the cross. And if you don't believe that those are real temptations for Jesus, I don't think you're underestimating his humanness. He was like you and I. He was human. Each one of these was a real temptation, just like you and I wrestle with on a day-to-day basis. You know, we're all gonna, to, be, to, to be tempted is to be human, folks. And there's been times I've said, God, why am I being tempted? Wouldn't it be nice just to get past that place in our, in our walk where temptation just wasn't even there? To be tempted is to be human. But Jesus wasn't like us in one area, is that he did not sin. He was tempted in every area like us, but he did not sin. And that's what God calls us to. He wants us to, to, to live a sinless life and to sin less and less as we walk with him. It is possible as we trust him, as we know Satan's strategy. He's going to come in one of those ways, folks. So we have to know his strategy. That is how Satan is going to attack you. All right? You, have to be, you can be on your phone and on Facebook, and right as you're doing that, he's, the lust of eyes is taking place. Whether it is a picture of a beautiful woman, or whether it is a picture of, oh, man, they're doing that, and they have this. See, that's what happens on Facebook. Did you know that if you're on Facebook too much, you are going to be discontent and unhappy because you're comparing? Temptation, the lust of the eyes, it's happening. All right. Which leads to my second point. Know yourself. Know Satan's strategy, but know yourself. John doesn't go into much on this point, but I am. All right. Know yourself. Did you know that most of you, if you look, just do an assessment of your life, 
okay? You don't have to, you can bring your spouse in or a loved one or whatever, but just look back at your life. Did you know that most of the time, whenever you sin, it's usually at the same time of the day, the same feelings are present, go down the list. You analyze it. it people have done it. Often we, and often it, sometimes, sometimes it, most of the sins that we deal with are very, very repetitive, right? It's over and over again. So know yourself, okay? So in this illustration, don't go on surfing on the internet, internet late at night when you're depressed or exhausted, right? Because you're going to probably end up in a place where you don't want to be, right? Because you're searching, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're wanting something to kind of fill that need, and many times it's going to take you in the wrong place. But it might be different for you. Maybe it's something else. Know yourself. Know when you are weak. Know when you are going to be vulnerable and protect yourself. If there are certain places in a town that you shouldn't be going into, a business or a location, don't go there. Proverbs talks about, hey, don't go near the house where the prostitute lives, right? You know, don't be kind of like gullible and say, oh, I can go and look. And, oh, wow, she's pretty, she's pretty good looking, right? Nobody's looking. Don't even go near her house. But you have to know yourself. Know where you're vulnerable and protect yourself. Protect up that wall of protection that is necessary. Have accountability. Have a prayer partner. Have somebody that you can trust. Create a battle plan. That's what you would do if you were in a real battle, right? You would say, oh, man, this part of the wall is, there's no protection here. It's weak. We have to build this thing up, right? Otherwise, the enemy is going to come through. That's the same thing in your own life. Build up that wall. Know where you're weak. There's feelings. You know, there's, in my own life, I'll just be a little vulnerable. I know that if there's times in my own life where I'm feeling exhausted, those are the times that I have to be more cautious in my life because my guard is down. Okay? I'm emotionally or physically exhausted, so I have to have my guard up. Okay? And that is true for a lot of us. Now, the temptation may come in a lot of different forms. All right? Okay. Know Satan's task, tactics and know yourself. Number three. You know, the verse 17 says, The world and its desires are going to pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. John is pretty black and white in his terminology. If you get into chapter 3, he's, he's pretty harsh on this sinning and sinning less, and he doesn't make much allowance. He, may, he basically says, Hey, if you're a believer in Christ, you shouldn't be sinning, right? And that's true. You should sin less and less. There's not a lot of grace there in John. He's black and white. He says, do not love the world or anything in it. It's not like, okay, you know, it's kind of gray terminology. It's kind of like, boom, okay? Don't love the world. So I want us to apply this. There's many things I love in life. I love my wife. I love my boys. I love my parents. I love hobbies. There's certain hobbies that I enjoy doing. They bring me fulfillment and they refresh me. There's certain forms of recreation I enjoy doing. Whether it's going to the gym, riding a bike, going on a walk. I enjoy a good sunrise and sunset. Okay? I enjoy doing those things. And you could even say that some of those I love to do. All right? And I hope that you have some of those things as well. But Jesus even says, hey, if you don't hate your father and mother, you can't follow me. It's kind of like, what's up with that? Right? 
He said, but he kind of echoes what John is saying. And John was like, you know, he was pretty close to Jesus, right? The disciple that Jesus loved. And I don't think John is saying, hey, you, you're not to love your wife. You're not to love your kids. You're not to love your husband or, or hobbies and things. What I think he is getting at is that there has to be that idea of that one love, that first love, that exceeds all other loves, right? I believe that is what John is saying. And if we value our relationship with God and that He is our first love, if that is our value, then saying no to temptation and sin becomes a lot more, it's easier, it's more natural because I have my priorities straight. I have my love set upon pursuing Him. Whether it is sexual sin, whether it's greed, whether it's fame, whether it's a multitude of those sins that spin out of those, if He is our first love, then it makes everything else much simpler. Where I see people torn is where they want to serve God a little bit. They want to walk what we call the fence. They want to get as close to the world without not stepping in the world. Or maybe they put one foot in the world and one foot in the church or following God, right? And you're going to be miserable. You're torn between the two. There's going to be a constant battle because you want to serve God, but you feel the pull of the world. And because you haven't given your heart completely to Jesus, there's going to be tension there. We need to say, hey, my heart is yours, God. And you follow him. It becomes much easier. It's like trying to date two women, okay? I don't think it works, does it? Right? You can't do it. Some people try to do it. I don't think it works. Maybe there's ladies that try to date two men. I think there's some that have done that. If you want to turn ahead just a little bit to the book of Revelation, written by John as well. John, I mean Revelation 2, 1 through 7, but John writes this. And he writes this on the island of Patmos. So it's his last book that he writes. It's right around 90 A.D. All the other disciples have probably been martyred. He's the only one that we know of that probably dies of a natural death. They try killing him by poisoning him. It doesn't work. He's exiled to this island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea. And so he has this vision. Jesus comes to him in this vision, and that's what the book of Revelation is about. Okay? On the first part, kind of, he describes Jesus. And then you have in chapters 2 and 3, he writes to the seven churches in Asia, so in Turkey. One of those happens to be, the first one is Ephesus. Okay? So John is writing to the Ephesians and 1 John, and now we see this church in Ephesus. Jesus is giving some instruction, okay? So let's read it. Verse 1 of chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks amongst the golden lampstands. So the churches, okay? And this is God the Father. I know, so Jesus is writing this. This red letter, okay? So Jesus is saying this to John. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate the wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be the apostles but are not. Now, last week we talked about you claim to know God. And so John gave some characteristics of those who know God and those who do not know God, right? And they took that to heart, I believe, because that comes out here that they tested those who claimed to, knew, to know God but did not. So they took that to heart. 
and you have found them to be false. Verse 3. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name. Man, they've, they've been persecuted. And they've endured. And you have not grown weary. Man, they deserve a good high five, right? Verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your, your first love. Consider how you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. For you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. You have forsaken your first love. You know what? They were doing all the right things. They were even persevering under trial, but they had forsaken. They'd lost their first love. You know, that can happen in marriage a lot, isn't it? If you're married, if you... It happens, right? Man, you think back to that time you were dating. You know, you're just walking on air, right? None of you could do anything wrong. You get married, have kids, and then somewhere along the line of all the busyness, you're two people existing in a home. And you've lost that love for one another. It can happen in our earthly relationships and it can happen in our walk with God. And what John, Jesus is saying to John and to the church in Ephesus is come back to that first love. Keep it fresh. Keep it real. It looks different, right? The longer you walk with God, it looks a little different. Just as a married couple, you know, from your honeymoon until 20, 30 years out, it looks a little different. And then you get out to 50 years. Wow, right? We're at 31, so we've got ways to go to 50, right? Make it, maybe, some of you make it out, I think maybe, you know, 50. I, some make it to 60, right? It looks different, right? But still that first love, that, that person that you married is the apple of your eye, right? Your love matures and grows. And I'm going to have the musicians come. That is what God desires in our own life, is that that when you come to know Christ and you invite Him into your heart and your life, and you say, you pray that prayer. We'll probably pray that here in just a few minutes. God, come into my heart and my life. Forgive me of my sin. And I know for me, man, there was a joy that came into my heart and my life. I was five years old when I prayed that prayer. I was at a family camp. And there was just an incredible joy that came over my life. And I got out of the service and I was talking to my parents, my friends, and it was just kind of a big smile on my face. There was a joy because my sin had been lifted. I knew I was right with God. I, I sensed God's presence. Some, I'd been, grown up in the church, you know. But that day, I said, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. But the longer we walk with God, it's easier to forget about that experience. It's easy to take His love, grace, and mercy for granted, right? And to keep Jesus as that first love of our life. Jesus isn't calling us to religion, just going through the motions. The Ephesus church was doing that. They had it down. They were, they were even being persecuted and they were still staying true and vigilant. But something had happened in their relationship with God. They lost that love that they had at the beginning. That excitement for God. And that was pretty serious to God. 
If Jesus is our first love, the love that exceeds all other loves, the Christian journey becomes much more enjoyable. And saying no to the things of this world like John asks us to, that becomes more second nature to us because Jesus is our first love. We love him above all other things. And when Jesus is our first love that exceeds all others, we'll be able to serve him wholeheartedly, not look back, not hold anything back. And if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We talked about that, right? Jesus says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I have a real story. I sinned this past week, big time. I sinned. I was sitting in our new recliners downstairs that we bought. We were still waiting on the sofa. Ordered it in January. still coming. COVID. You know. Talking, man, I think there's something on this arm rest. Anyway, I get up, do something. I come back and I notice right where I was sitting, there's this about the size of a dime, a dark spot that's there. It's kind of like, what? Was that so? Then I do, you know, what you're not supposed to do. I rub it, and all and smears it. So I had been taking some notes. I was actually checking something off for Andy or whatever. And my ballpoint pen had slid between my legs on the lap. There went ballpoint first. So I just fell down there. So it was just getting inked down there, right? And um, they're kind of light gray, tannish color. So it shows up pretty good. We have a warranty on it, but. So I didn't tell my wife. <laughs> she was sitting next to me, so she knew something was up. She goes, what's up, what's up? I didn't want to tell her. So I tried some Resolve, and I tried some Goo Gone. None of those worked. It just smeared it. And then I looked it up online. It says, do not rub. <laughs> Check that off. That didn't work. So if it's oil, alcohol, or something, we'll get it out. So I... Found some rubbing alcohol, cotton balls. She was getting ready for bed. I snuck back downstairs. <laughs> got a rag. It says, blot it out. So you put that on there, hold it there, blot it. And what happens? The stain is transferred to the rag, right? Blot it out. You know, that's what Jesus did for It did come out. It did come out. <laughs> I was nervous. That's what happens when you read the instructions. Apply that to your life. There's a stain. There's an ink stain on your life, folks. My life, your life. Sin. And the only way you're going to get that out is if the blood of Jesus is applied and he blots it out and it's transferred to his life. That's what it says. When he went to the cross, he took our sin upon himself. It was transferred to us. And it says that we can be clean right? White as snow. Takes it right out, that stain. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. And maybe this morning you just, you don't feel clean this morning and, and you want to walk in a loving relationship with God, but you don't feel clean. Whether it's things over this past week or past years, months but you want to know that you're clean, that the sin stain has been removed and that Jesus is in your heart.
ye have that hope of salvation. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. If you join us all this morning, just as we pray that prayer, say, Dear God, forgive me my sin. Lord, I accept your work on the cross. Remove the stain of sin from my life. Clean me and purify my heart. And help me to walk in your righteousness and holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe that with your heart, whether you've walked with God many, many years or Today, you're just maybe saying that prayer for the first time. I pray that you sense his joy and his peace this morning. Father, this morning, I, I just pray over our church. I pray over our body here, Lord God. You've called us into a relationship with you. Lord, we're human, so temptation is just a real thing. It is part of the human race. But Lord God, you've given us the tools. You want us to know his strategy, the Satan's strategy, how we can be tempted, but also to know ourselves so that we can be smart. And so that we can put up a fight. Lord God, your grace and your mercy is sufficient. You came with grace and truth. God, each person you came in contact, that Jesus came in contact with, they were sinners. Some were prostitutes. Some were tax collectors. Some were demon-possessed. And Lord God, you reached out to them with grace first, and then you reached out with truth. And you told them to go and sin no more. That is the truth. The grace is that he showed compassion. He reached out to them. Lord God, help us in our own life to experience your grace and your truth and help us to interact with the world around us with grace and with truth. Let us lead with grace and then with truth. Lord God, we give you the thanks. We give you the praise. In your name we ask. Amen. They're going to lead us in that chorus. This is my desire. Let's sing that together. This is This is your prayer this morning. Amen. I hope that is your prayer. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I want us to close our eyes. Close your eyes. If you prayed that prayer this morning, just God cleanse me, purify me, and you sense God do that. You prayed that prayer this morning. I want you just to make eye contact with me. I'm going to scan the crowd. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Several of you did. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand just to celebrate together? Father, this morning, I pray that we can leave this place this morning with a clean slate, with a clean heart. And Lord God, just give us the wisdom that we need just to live a life that honors you, Lord God. Lord, not, let it be not just that I have to keep these rules, but Lord, Lord, teach us how we can walk with you daily to have that relationship with you that exceeds all others, Lord God. Because that's what you desire. You desire the relationship, the fellowship, Lord God, not just the rules. You desire that relationship with us. 
That is why you sent your son to the cross. And so, Lord God, help us to walk in that. Help us to encourage others. And, Lord God, help us to lead others into that relationship. Lord God, you've placed us in key places, whether it's at work, at school, in the community, Lord God, to be a light, to be salt to the rest of the world. Lord God, help us to love the people of this world and to show them the love of Christ. We give you the thanks. We ask in your name. Everybody said amen. Hey, God bless this morning. Thanks for watching online. And greet each other as you leave. And I don't think you know just how many times I've done that. Like, where I, like, start. So. There you go. You did great. You know, you were just like, hey. So, I understand and